Hello, my name is Corey, and welcome to the RCF Podcast, a place where you can dive deep into what the scriptures say, get caught up on current events, or sit back and listen to topical discussions on life from all ages. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now I'm going to turn it over to RCF's Pastor James. Well, God bless you guys. I want to welcome you back as we... uh... We take another quick look, a survey over scripture, you know, uh, we are also going through the Philippians, but as I wanted to throw out an additional one this week, I wanted to do just a little bit of a flyover of Psalm 139. As oftentimes I come in and I I do these often on on Thursday and get them taken care of, I, I come fresh off of sharing some devotions with some uh, kiddos in a local uh, homeschool co-op, and uh, and so it, it's, a lot of these things are just kind of on my mind or on my heart already. And so as they are, I, I just want to go ahead and share them with you guys. And so oftentimes in our time together in these quick looks, uh, not so much an in-depth study, but kind of a 30,000-foot flyover. The way I shared it with uh, the littlest kids this morning was Psalm 139 or Psalm 139, you're on God's mind, just to get them to kind of remember that there is a chapter in this Bible where God says, I love you. I think about you, the good, the bad, the ugly, your past, your present, your future. You're on his mind. And you've been on his mind before you were born. It's amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. And and I explained it in this way, and and I process it this way, that, you know, this isn't like learning algebra or something where I'm just acquiring knowledge so that I can figure out a formula. No, no, Psalm 139, this information is much more like why I would have a baby book for one of my kids. It's not just remembering or the acquisition of knowledge or facts, but it's an expression of love in knowing about this person who has my heart. Whether they're good or bad or whether they grow up to love me, whether no matter what I it's it's just that, yeah, it's that expression of love only here through knowledge. And David taps into this. Just this hard warrior of a man occasionally would stop and he would write a poem or a song to God saying, man, God, you blow my mind. You blow my mind. And so I'm just going to kind of cruise through that and we'll just stop a few spots and and talk through it. And again, this is uh, there are great places to go for an in-depth study. And if this uh, stirs your mind and heart, I encourage you to do that. But for right now, Let's just, let's just glean from a 30,000-foot view. So, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. <laughs> Boy, and sometimes before you really know the Lord, that's kind of a terrifying thought. You hedge me behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. God, my mind, my brain, it just exploded. (laughs) 
So as David began to consider God, as he began to look, Lord, you are, you're not just amazing, but you are searching me and checking me out. You know, if you, so many people are buying and selling homes right now. And as you go into that home, you know, you're looking at the master bedroom, you're looking at the bathroom, you're looking at the floor plan, you're looking at the backyard and the front yard and every detail about it. And then after you're done, you have it inspected to make sure there's nothing wrong with it. And then you have it appraised. And by the time you're, you're home, you're going to buy this. You've searched it and you've known it. And as much as possible for you, you understand the details of it. Now, imagine that on a God-sized level about your life. He searched every room, every thought, every word. You're going out, you're coming back. Where you're going and where you've been hedged you before and behind. And behold, he knows it all together. And David said, man, you know, I understand a lot of things about, you know, what he, I've built or my family or stuff, but you have in-depth studied me more than I have anything in my life. And it blows my mind blows my mind. Again, we want to keep this in perspective of, of we expect God to know everything because he's God. But when we stop to think and to measure that he has a knowledge about you, not just because he knows everything, but because he loves you. He actually has a desire to think about it, not just to possess the knowledge of it, but to think about it, to dwell on it. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. So as he kind of moves to this next progression, not only have you searched me and known all the compartments and the the future and the past, every aspect of my life, but he says, well, you know, and, and it's not like I can derail from that. It's not like I can run from that. He says, where can I go? There's nowhere that I can go from your spirit, Lord. The wings of that morning, of the morning, that first ray of light that shoots through the fog or the mist. He said, you know, if I could come across the sky as fast as that ray of light, you know, we understand light to, to go at 186,000 miles per second. He said, if I could hop on something like that, I could go around the world and seven times in one second by the time you could say one. He said... If I can even go as, as fast as all of that, God, you're already there. And again, he doesn't explore this thought just to let you know that God has absolute knowledge and that God is always present everywhere. We call that omnipresent. But it's in relationship to David. It's in relationship of a, of a God who is above and beyond space and time, and it pervades everything, and yet there's a direct personal connection to you and me. And again, I think the, the heights that David's heart is reaching in this, not thinking about the things that he's done shameful, not thinking about, you know, all those things we just assume hide or run from, but knowing that God knows them all, and he is still 
loves you. He still demonstrated that, proclaimed it for the whole world to see on the cross of Calvary that he loved you when you didn't love him, when you were unlovable. And he showed it, proclaimed it by the giving of his son. So, Dave, I, you know, light and dark, they're the same to you. I can't hide, I can't run. And, and he follows that up. Check this out. And I think this is probably some of the most beautiful parts of this psalm. And I think should be shared with our children and our growing older kids in the light of policy in the United States, in the light of how you know, our growing demand for the need in, in foster care system and, and the abuse and the neglect and the hurt and the pain and the abortion and all of these things that are out there. Next part says in verse 13, you form, for you form my inward parts. You covered me in, in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were written. They were all were written, excuse me. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. Mm. We so often look at ourselves in the light of what we've done in life. To deserve or to earn or to catch God's attention or his love. Before you lived a day, before the spark of life came into a fertilized egg in your mother's womb, God already thought about you. He already knew your days. He already counted them. David begins to explore this thought that when I was inside of my mom before my first heartbeat, yet he was forming my cells. And as I grew, he covered me. He knitted me. And I can look at the uniqueness that, that there is no person ever in the billions that looks precisely like you. There is a uniqueness. We, can, we have hundreds and hundreds of millions of fingerprints on file, and yet not one is the same. Not identical twins, not none of them. We all have a nose and eyes and ears and cheeks and mouth on our face, yet none of them perfectly the same. You know, I hate to steal from veggie tales, but God made you special. And he reminds us of this right here because he loves you very much. And that love extended before your birth, during your development, and across the span of your life. And so David follows that up in verse 17. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. He, he takes this and now he summarizes these last few paragraphs and these last few thoughts that he's been building and said, man, how precious. Not, well, of course you're God and you know all of this, but how precious also are your thoughts to me. 
Again, that difference between obtaining facts or possessing all knowledge and and just the crude illustration of a baby book that I would keep for my child. Both can be facts, both can be knowledge, but one is kept for a completely different reason. And, and David says, man, your thoughts are precious to me. And in fact, there's so many, it's like the sand. I brought a cup into the class today, or a jar of sand. Though I was tempted to uh, do my impersonation of Pirates of the Caribbean and tell them that I had a jar of dirt. You may be running that through in your mind right now, as I had it in a little mason jar there. But I had a couple kids. I said, you know, who's a good mathematician and, and who's a volunteer? And I had a bowl. And I said, you know, at one part when we came to this part of the section of Scripture, I said, well, go ahead and take some pinches of sand out of there and begin to count the grains. <laughs> Needless to say, uh, it didn't take long before they gave up counting some pinches of sand. I ventured to ask him, how much would, it, how much would I have to pay you to get to count that entire jar of sand? <laughs> and they, you know, named off some crazy, ridiculous numbers that no one would ever get paid for anything. Because they knew that, that though that may even be possible, that would be ridiculous and redundant. Now, the next time we go to the beach or build a sandcastle or we look across where the ocean meets the land, and David could look by perhaps the Sea of Galilee and see the sand going for as far as his eye could see and say, man, you know, that's, that's as close as I could get. The, the ridiculous, overwhelming amount of that is, is what I begin to get at, at the precious thoughts of God towards me in every day, every word, every action of my life, where I would go, where I'd been, and how, in fact, I was even made and put together. Hmm. Then verses 19 through 22, he begins to talk about those who are wicked and, and against God. But I, I'm going to jump over those. I, you know, As with any scriptures, I encourage you to, to read those as well. But for the sake of this time we have together, I'm going to skip down to the last two verses of the chapter and get David's response. He said, "'Search me, O God, and know my heart.'" Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So as he came to this knowledge of God, this experience, this height of praise and moment of understanding of, of the heart of God, not just the person of God or his attributes, but that nature that is love and light. And in that response, and I think of it as when I make up with a best friend, or perhaps when you make up with a spouse, or someone that's been there for you through thick and thin, and you go and you make it, you make it right, or you constantly, or you're constantly wanting to improve that relationship. And I hope around Valentine's Day this year, I, I hope to maybe put together a teaching and because we often have that phrase, you know, the grass is greener, you know, over there or on the other side of the fence or what have you. But here's one thing I can say. The grass is greener where you water it. And in that relationship with God, 
because he is with us. His heavens are proclaiming day unto day and night unto night. All creation tells us about his character and his testimonies and his, and his power, his word. All around us, God is speaking, and he is constantly watering this relationship. Prep the ground of your heart and let that relationship be watered. Let him search you and know you that you shouldn't have those anxieties in your life. Are they going to happen? Absolutely. But those are little check engine lights that come on in our car. We want to take it to God and remember these things about him and his thoughts towards you. Well, may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you. It's my pleasure to continue to go through his scriptures and look at his heart. And may a relationship in your life, whether it be with the Lord or with people. Come back to that place today. God bless you guys. We'll talk to you soon.